0: This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live.
1: Hello everyone, good morning and welcome to the morning break with me Holly Kingman on Teachers Talk Radio. Wow have we got a conversation today. It's all about the absolute very beginning of children's education important conversation to be had so grab yourself a cup of tea get yourself comfortable get your marking laid out in front of you if that's what you're doing and get ready to join the this conversation.
0: is teachers talk radio and you are listening live tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation download the podbean app and search teachers talk radio follow the hashtag tt radio tune in talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Good morning, everyone. So, it has been a really, um, really important couple of weeks for children aged three and four up and down the country who have just hopefully secured their first school place. They'll be starting primary school in September. Parents up and down the country will hopefully be hugely relieved to find that they have been given the place that they wanted and their children can start their education in the way that they had planned and hoped for. But many of those children will have already attended preschools and nurseries and other childcare provisions where they will have picked up lots of those skills needed for um, formal school learning and also those routines. In your coats and bags on the hooks lunch times playing outside rules boundaries and that's where our conversation starts today we are going to be asking why do we not call eyfs staff teachers why are they called the ladies or the leaders or the staff or the helpers when they play such a crucial role in early years in a child's initial education And now I welcome uh, Charlene van der Pooy and Natalie Williams, who um, are both EYFS specialists, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, ladies, so welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, Why don't you start by telling us um, a little bit about your position and uh, your background? Um, Hi, honey, thank
2: you for having us. Um, My um I'm Charlene van der Pooy and I am currently a preschool leader um which I've been for about um four or five months now um, pre- um previously before that I was actually a reception teacher and I actually worked abroad I actually worked in Qatar um oh, amazing two years yeah I worked there for two years and I came back to the UK when I fell pregnant with my first daughter and I've just never left to be honest <laughs> so i've been at this preschool that i've been working at for um five no yeah five years now because my daughter i went when my daughter was two and she's now just turned seven um so that's currently me at the moment and i actually did do a degree in early childhood studies as well so i've got a um degree from northampton university um as an early years educator
3: lovely and uh what about you natalie Hi Holly, um, yeah, I'm Natalie, I work with Charlene at the preschool, I am her deputy leader so I'm supposed to be her right-hand man. Um, I originally joined the preschool um, to cover ma- uh, Charlene's maternity and it was supposed to be a way back into education. I'm a qualified primary teacher, I studied in North Wales, I went to the Bangor University to my PGCE quite late on in my career, I had had a corporate career in London um, working in investment banking and made the decision that I really wanted to do what I wanted to do um, and left everything, went back home to North Wales, studied for my PGCE, loved it, started working in a very small, um, fairly deprived area for in a year two classroom in Wales and then my life changed, I met my partner, I became pregnant, we came, moved down and I had quite a long career break to have my girls and was looking for a way back into the classroom but because I trained in Wales and felt not so confident at that stage in life going fully back into the classroom um, a maternity cover came up in a preschool so I thought I'd give it a go and I haven't left since I've been there for three years So ah, do you love it I absolutely love it yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, as I say I was only really supposed to be there for a year but yeah it's been an incredible learning curve for me because i'm like charlene i you know i hadn't really i think i'd done a nursery placement on my pgce which i'd loved but i kind of always saw myself more at the year two level um and so going right back to in our preschool we take children from two so uh we're really you know really right at the beginning and i i wasn't quite sure whether i'd have the patience for it i didn't (laughs) know if i would be able to do it but um yep. yeah yeah I'm, le- I'm learning every day so i still <laughs> feel like i'm not there but it's incredible
2: I love oh, it. i'm now, sure you are I'm still, I'm still <laughs> learning with you too i'm still <laughs> learning with you too
1: <laughs> um, so the the topic of today's uh conversation is uh why don't we call eyfs staff teachers and um i think it's a really important conversation the the government say that the age of the zero to five are the most crucial years for a child's development. And you'll both know this from your, your academic studies as well. Um, why don't you think there is that level of professional esteem given to EYFS staff in the same way that teachers are giving it, for example?
2: Um, I think because obviously we are their starting point to education, I think they don't wanna, I think even though technically parents will still tell their children oh you're going to school you're going to see this teacher this is your teacher but i think in general the government probably don't want to call us teachers because they don't want to scare the children too much to make it seem like it's uh, it's going to be you're going to school in a rigid rigid environment but it's but parents and children are so used to whether you go to a nursery or you go to a preschool they will still say oh you're going to school or you're going to see your teacher um i mean i don't mind not being called a teacher to be honest it's just i think it's just a term to me to be honest um but i think the government obviously are seeing it as if you're in the school then you're most that's where you're a teacher and Mm. if you're doing nursery or preschool you're just you know the ladies or practitioner
1: yeah I, i guess maybe it's that separation between um school that you're you're legally bound to attend, and yes, then yeah. you know a, a learning environment that essentially is optional. So I I wonder mm-hmm. if it's partially to do with marking out those two separate territories. Maybe.
3: Um, and you say what that. You think, but, no. Yeah. Nat, no, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think uh, I think as I say, it's been an, a new thing for me since I had my girls, and also since I worked at this at this age. Again, like Charlene, I don't actually have a problem with not being called a teacher, but maybe that comes from Charlene and I having the qualifications and being qualified teachers. I feel that there is obviously there's the, the delineation between children uh, practitioners who are uh, you know qualified like we mm-hmm. are, yeah, and then there's many people in the early years who, many of whom have got years more experience than I have, who don't see themselves as teachers and feel that they're not proper proper teachers because they don't have I haven't had the access to the qualifications or the the further um studies that we have had yeah. we've been lucky enough to have so you know we talk about level threes level fours level fives. you know I didn't have to worry I think I I think as you go in as a level seven or something when you're a, yeah. a qualified teacher teacher but I think there's kind of that there's sometimes always a bit of snobbery around know who's who's been who's got this who's got that what qualifications have you got there's i feel that there is definitely that and then i think there's also we can almost feel that as well in that there's a there's definitely a difference between a preschool and childcare, yeah um and 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 a nursery and this is not nurseries this is not another (laughs) inverse snobbery kind of thing but i do think Often parents choose preschools for different reasons than they choose nurseries, and nurseries provide incredible care around the clock from seven till, you know, and we are a preschool that works school time and school holidays, we have school holidays off, we operate as a school, like a school, yeah, operate as a school, like a school with the same high standards with the same routines with the same high expectations of our children we don't see ourselves of obviously all schools and all teachers there to care for our children but we are not there as child care we are there as an educator and i think i sometimes i feel that that preschools get kind of shoved in with with nurseries as well um, yeah. often, obviously nurseries have excellent preschools as well but <laughs> it's a very different decision i think to send your child um that's kind of gone off the topic a bit but i think there's no, a lot of different good point. snobberies around you know is it childcare are you just there just to look after the kids while i go to work are you, are you just there to look after them or are you there to educate them and i think there's not many people who are as open minded and sort of aware that in preschools Often the teach often people there are like Charlene and I who are qualified. Often they're not, but they have had years and years and years and I'm mm. far more qualified than I am to teach. And, and also that we are not there just to kind of play Lego and, and and go and play on the swings. We we everything we do, everything we do is planned, assessed, thought about, monitored. Yeah. and, and there's an intention for every pet and yes we are playing every single day and yes those children have no idea that every little area is a lesson <laughs> in but but i think that n- there's very little understanding or knowledge of that and it's, especially in my teacher friends who are now yeah. teaching in, in mainstream and, and in primary schools you know they can't even they have not really any clue what yeah doing.
1: i wonder no. if some of the snobbery that you talk about comes from other teachers and mm, sort of, of secondary, because I, I, having been secondary trained myself, but then lots of sort of middle school experience, um, I can understand the snobbery that occurs in the secondary staff room of what goes on in primary school. Mm. And so I can only imagine how that <laughs> translates to talking about, Maybe you know, it what. Level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I, I think we could probably uh, chew the bit all day about
3: where that um
1: uh, where they're not calling
3: them a teacher comes yeah. from but, but then also you know like you say it comes it, it in, in in essence it comes from government as well and it comes from government often allowing people who are not qualified in any shape or form to enter preschool and and not valuing the value of the of the role the value of the whatever you call the teacher or practitioner but you know realizing that you can't just walk in with no. no, and you know, as Charlene will tell you, we've we've recently been recruiting, and the amount of people, and I'm sure they're all fabulous people who probably could be fabulous at some point, but who think just because they like kids, oh, I love kids, therefore I'll come yeah. and be a preschool teacher, and 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 it's it's and a they shame really just because like, you wouldn't oh you, you wouldn't do that in any other profession. You wouldn't go, oh yeah. well, I love I love teeth. I think I'll be a dentist. <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That brings
3: me really nicely on to my next question, actually. Um,
1: so there's, as you'll be aware, a national shortage of um EYFS staff. Um, and I actually heard on the radio the, the other day that um as many as 40% of positions um in I uh, must have been three counties because I was listening to three mm. counties radio, um <laughs> are vacant. Um, and, and I was thinking you know, why, why is that because like you say you, you don't necessarily have to have the high level of qualifications that you both have to be able to work in a preschool and at a time where there are lots of people who might not be able to do the jobs they were doing pre-pandemic why are those jobs not being filled I wonder what your thoughts might be on that um, I mean having done recruitment recently it was
2: Oh my god, it was literally so hard just trying to. We were like, why are people not applying for the job? Like, we know that they're like like why don't any, why doesn't anybody want to need a job? Why doesn't anybody want to work? And it was just
1: Is it we no finding, people or the wrong people that you're getting?
2: Well, my we were posting it on like these um job application websites and things, and then we we're getting so many people that were just like, for the sake of applying for the job they were applying for it um and then obviously there'll be some people where we like we have to skim the cvs and things like that we're just like this is not the field that you need to be working in why are you applying for the job and wasting my time reading your cv um but there are jobs out there we just don't know why people are not applying for it and why they're not taking it on i don't know if some people are um uh, frightened and scared and I don't know, I I really don't know why they're not, we were just like why, why can we not find the staff as quickly as we thought we would find the staff.
1: Do because the working they, conditions, um, like the employment conditions, like salaries and contracts and, and CPD, d- does that match what you would get in a in a primary school, for example? Definitely not,
3: so no. I'm guessing. I think, I think, I think that's one of the main, main things. Is it is I the think, money. I think. We all there there is a definite vocation um element to preschool teaching, I think, yeah. especially if you've come from a, a, a school background. I think there's two elements. I think there's either people who have been in the people who are still here and working, or either people who have made the decision, like Charlene and I, that this is this is where we want to be. And and that is kind of despite of the ridiculously Ridiculous low pay. Hey, we yeah. could go and, I mean, we could probably go and work in most retail outlets and get paid more per hour than we get paid yeah. and, we're at the, and, and and as management we're <laughs> at the higher echelon of the pay scale which is kind of crazy and um, you know I see kids my friend's kids getting paid more than me to go and work in yeah. their garage and things so mm. there's that kind of vocation side I think there's people who the good people the good good people in early years are tend to be People who have been in there for a long time and know what they're doing and understand the nature of the role, and then where you should be bringing in people—you know, young, young, eager people who want to start their careers in education, who maybe haven't gone down the, you know, the further education route, but want to come in. You know, it's, it's a, it's a shock. You're working incredibly hard. It's incredibly physical work. It's incredibly long work. There are no. It's not like. you know in in small village preschools like ourselves it's not like even in a in a primary school where you can go and have your break you yeah. have a coffee and 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 go and have your lunch break we have you know we grab a quick lukewarm sip in the kitchen <laughs> as we're running to go and change a nappy and then we and then we quick have 20 minutes to have a quick lunch break and 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 it's and it's 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 full on it and i think you have to be incredibly passionate and incredibly dedicated and and absolutely love it to want to do it for that Amount of money, amount of money. And, yep. and and I'm not saying that we should be. You know, I understand it's the way of the world. You know, nurses, and, and it's 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 the same across our whole society, isn't it? People give yeah. the most and do the most. I'll pay the jobs. I'll I'll pay leave. the least. And, yep. and we don't. It's a cliche, and you know, There's no point going into that. You go into it with your eyes wide open. But <laughs> if you're looking at a job application, like Charlene says, you either have people. You know, as, as employers, we we are a charity-run preschool. We we want to employ the very very best. Yeah. We will not. We will absolutely not take somebody just because. Oh, they think. Oh, it's a job. You can't do it. You won't be able to do it. And also, you can't do it if you just think. Oh, oh, I've got a couple of kids. It works for the holidays.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> it, it just. It doesn't. It's never going to work. You have.
1: Yeah, to have your passion your needs passion. to be there. Yeah. Do you think the government could be doing more to help attract the right sort of people into EYFS?
2: I mean they could be probably be given a bit more like some more incentives maybe like um i don't know there could be some more incentives or like free education instead of people having to pay for especially if you say those people who have probably left college by now and they couldn't do their level two level three um i know that now you probably have to pay for those sort of training and things like that like with your own money whereas i think it could be whatever age you are, if you want to go back into that, if you want to go into that field, can mm. we offer this incentive? Like they do with uni, they give you like a bursary or something like yeah. that. Yeah,
1: and with teaching, I mean, I uh, I don't know if they do it anymore, if they do anything similar, but they used to do what they called a golden halo yeah and if you had um you know a really good degree if you had a first or or two one then you'd be given something like i don't know eight thousand pounds to train as a teacher and back then that was probably a deposit for a house
4: Um,
1: so you know that that (laughs) that sort of thing attracts the right sort of candidates you know i'm I'm not saying that's all that we you, you look for in a good candidate but someone who's you know academically have achieved has achieved well and is wanting to train and really understand teaching and learning and development then yeah
3: we we need to i need to get on the phone to boris (laughs) i think you'll listen i also think that there might be i mean just just thinking about talking to you tonight you know we look at cvs or we have people and we we talk about these level twos level threes i haven't really got a clue what they mean i think they're pretty outdated now these nvq levels of Mm. you know maybe maybe that is an answer to a lot of the things we talked about previously about snobbery about an access in you know an all-encompassing you know qualification that could be done in schools that could be done at any point could be done on the job yeah uh, on the know, job
1: would be rather yeah. than
3: this oh you get this pay at level two then you get this pay. i know i know there's always going to be staggered pay but i think it doesn't relate to your we can have we have some people in, in in preschools who are sort of stuck on a level four pay, who've been doing it for ten years or whatever, just yeah. because they're not really wanting to go and do the more thing. You know, maybe a shakeup of the whole qualification system. Yeah. Would would, Pick up people. would kind it, of yeah. like I mean it's probably been looked at as me with my great ideas, <laughs> but you know, I think, <laughs> I think that would I think that is, is 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 it seems to me that that keeps people stuck where they they are or reluctant like you say maybe they feel oh well do you know what i haven't got my a level i haven't got this they feel yeah. that they can't even mm-hmm. enter because they think oh i'm gonna have to be doing loads of reading and writing obviously that's yeah. not the case in early years that's the great thing you can come in if you're you're not particularly confident with your written skills then it that's fine because we can work around that as long as you've got the fire in ut and you've got the communication skills so
1: yeah um I'm, I'm 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 glad to hear you mention about um literacy because um I, I i've always wondered if um preschool staff can tell if a child has been read to a lot at home i wonder whether it's evident because as a, as a secondary teacher i can tell um which children like come september i can tell which children have had routines and structures throughout the summer holidays and which children have just played out all Get the loose. evening <laughs> and, and uh, you know have, the routines have gone out the window. i can, I can really yeah. tell uh which children have and haven't had that but i do wonder c- can you tell which children are read to a lot at home and if you can how no
2: you can because they do have a love for books like there's those children who they will just pick up a book independently and want to just you know go for, just look at it just look at the pictures I mean they can't a lot of them can't read at that age anyway so they're just looking at the pictures just doing whatever they want to do and then I think the ones that are probably um not really read to at home I, I mean I'm just guessing I'm I'm assuming it's the ones I'm saying this because obviously we know some of the parents and um, we know like their jobs and a little bit of their background type of thing. The ones who are not really read to at home, they're literally picking up a book and in your face, like, I want you to read, I want you to read, I want you to read, not because they love reading books, but it's not, it's not second nature to them. It's not second nature to them at home for them to be read every single day um, before bedtime and that sort of thing. I can tell you from my daughter absolutely hates reading. My eldest, <laughs> if I tell her, but the thing is she'll pick up the book and she'll read the book beautifully. But I have to force her to read it, <laughs> and I'm forcing yeah. her to read every day. And I'm like, why don't you like reading? She goes, Yeah, because I can't be bothered.
1: But yeah. some kids love it, and some kids just yeah not, not into it. But then it, are she'll they? want
2: me to read to her like at night. She'll rather me read than her read to me type of thing. Mm. Um, Whereas my youngest will literally just be inside my armpit. <laughs> literally asking snubbing, to, be, to, yeah,
1: to be
2: read to. With a book, like because they've got a new library at her nursery now where it's like the books are just outside. You take a book and then you swap it when you finish with it with another book. But every day she wants to take every single book and I'm like, no, you need to bring the <laughs> other one back first before we can swap it. It doesn't work like that. Um, so I think, yeah, those the children who are trying to bring books into your face, especially when they can see that you're busy with like other children, they're like, no, we want you. To, I want you to do this now. I think those are the ones that are probably i'm just picturing a few of them now that have done that to me like recently um and i'm like yeah i know you're probably not i'm thinking of one of my
1: children actually who is just a little bit mental bless her but i get walloped over the head when a book waved in my face (laughs) (laughs) most days um i i don't think she really um has any Behaviour standards, bless her. But, um, <laughs> she's read to a lot, but she, yeah, she's just in the face with the book.
3: <laughs> I, we have I a book. I, I think you can. I think I have always said, like even when I was teaching at the year two level, I I believe you can always tell who have who've been meant to. And I don't think necessarily it's even to do with their often to do with their relationship with books. I think obviously mainly vocabulary. I Speaks. think sometimes confidence an ability yeah. to just find a, a quiet place sometimes they're quite used you can see a child that is understanding the difference between manic and full-on and playing and calm and a need yeah. to sit down and listen and 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 in terms of their speech and their listening and their and their vocabulary um sometimes even that then carries on in our you know in, in early years we look at our obviously our communication with our physical development and we we we're looking at our personal social all the time our ability to yeah. share listen talk communicate you know with be be part of a social group so obviously in preschool story time is one of our main areas for helping that and um yeah i mean i always said when I was teaching I always said you know parents asking me what can we do what can, should I be doing this please, or please. should I be doing that or what, what about the homework well she hasn't had any homework this week and I was like no don't need any homework you don't need to just, just, read. just, just read. read just read yeah. every yeah. night and and I think that goes all the way back down to preschool even as a baby I mean I read even that. as a
2: baby when you have to get the yeah. talk, time to cool. talk bags and things like that
3: Yeah. And my partner, my partner used to laugh at me because when my, my eldest Daisy was like a newborn, I would always read her a a story every night. And she's always had a story. She's seven on Friday. And, and she still has a story every night because just hearing words and just hearing voice and just hearing the rhythm and the melody of, of how a book is read becomes a beautiful thing. And, and it becomes a calming thing and it becomes a routine, like you say, routine. routine, And um, I think, you know, in preschool routine is our, is our savior. When we lose our routine, we lose all we lose everything. They all get yeah. terrified. And... We lose
2: the children and we even lose the staff.
3: Yeah, we do. And, and so books become that place where we come back to a center. We, you know, when when everything's getting a bit manic, when everybody's gone a bit wild, we come back to a story that could be just in a small group it's the way that we you know when in September when we're settling little ones and they're all crying I, yeah. spent, I spent literally September and October on the floor <laughs> reading five <it>. children <laughs> just, just constantly reading over and over again because that's their familiar safe place yeah and, and I am you know like you incredibly passionate about books and their place in, in not just you know speech and language just in every area of a child's life they become so much more it, and we have yeah. to we have to instill that in preschool and it you know yes it would be lovely if they were read to at home but in, we are aware that not all parents feel confident enough to do it you know some we'll have the, the time, time to do it, it you or know have yeah well yeah. some parents you know have a real block about reading they'll say oh, i i can't read a story I, you know, like, i'm terrible i stuff or this or that and they don't really you know so at preschool our job is really so much more important to get that to get that love of the whole oh, thing of books yeah. and reading, I, I think it's one of the most important things we can do. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, uh, even as, a, as an English teacher, I mean, obviously I'm going to promote the, the value of reading books, Um, but I've read somewhere that a child that has been read to every day, um, by the time they start school, they will their vocabulary will house their active vocabulary will house five thousand more words, words than a been, peer who yeah. hasn't been read to, and if you just think five thousand words is just In a small insane, brain. <laughs> that's that's absolutely crazy um but you know i we we read to our children every day but we don't always have the time to read all of the books that they want us to read every day they, yeah. they love their books and um, but we we put the audio books on on the the Alexa in their bedroom when they go to bed as well so they're beatrix potter or you know just to fall asleep to um but my my eldest daughter in the car this morning said i am the princess of the chateau <laughs> and she said to my younger daughter, and you are the surf. Oh, <laughs> Where did you learn the word surf? And she said, oh, from one of the storybooks." Oh. And I thought, yeah. wow, not a book that I've read to her. I don't know if it's a book that husband has read to her but um i wonder if that came from an audiobook but it, i was thinking it's just so crazy the words that they pick up yeah. from listening yeah. to stories and you know reading is great for calming but also like for their vocabulary as well and yeah. and i actually use a parenting technique not a teaching technique but when i feel like i'm about to lose my <laughs> calm and control and when i feel like i really just want to tear my hair out I sometimes just go right I'm going to stop everything that we're doing and I'm just going to go and get a book and I think I use it to recenter myself Yourself, yeah. as a parent, yeah, um, as much as uh, as I do for uh, for them. Uh, so, um, look, Charlene and Natalie, it's been a brilliant conversation so far, we are just going to pop briefly over to the news and um, hear from our brilliant sponsors. And then we'll be back to talk a bit more about Forest School and uh, the other joys and wonders of preschool.
0: This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslacgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com.
3: If
1: you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion, wwwwitherslackgroupcouk forward slash careers and be part of our future
0: this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news with gail glenn
5: in wales head teachers are optimistic that the new term beginning on monday will be the most normal since 2019. School visits, leavers' events, sports days, awards, fairs and shows are running for the first time since the pandemic began. New schools' advice is due to be issued on Friday, May 6th. Teaching unions, however, have warned that it is not business as usual and there is still a high risk of Covid disruption. Teaching Union, UCAC, summed up mixed feelings, saying, Hopefully, with the weather improving, there will be more opportunities for schools to plan extracurricular activities. However, only time will tell if the infections will rise or not after the Easter break. Karen Brown, head teacher of Millbank Primary School in Cardiff, said, we are not so worried about COVID now, but there were still plenty of cases last term, so we are continuing with good ventilation and hygiene. We are looking forward to things like sports days again. Our plan is to invite parents to that and to our first year six leaver service for two years. We started trips last term and years five and six had an amazing time At Story Arms. We couldn't do that in the last two years. According to new research by the National Literacy Trust, parents spent less time reading, chatting, and playing with their children during the pandemic. The Trust surveyed more than 1,500 parents. With children under five. Overall the report found that fewer parents of young children engaged in home learning activities reading, chatting, playing, singing or painting and drawing in 2021 compared with 2019 despite spending more time in their home with their child due to the pandemic. Spokesperson Alison Tebbs said it was such a difficult time for people. There was less support for families, there was less socialisation happening and beneficial activities like going to the park or library were often unable to take place. Reading with children and having conversations is vital for helping their brains develop. One of the reasons two-year-olds act out is because they're trying to communicate feelings which they can't explain verbally. That's why you get tantrums. The more words they have and the more support they get when they communicate, the more in touch they will be with their emotions and with the wider world. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
0: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk
4: Radio. Hello, this term is known to be one of the hardest. When we're distracted and tired, it's easy to make a mistake and fall for a scam. There are loads of scams out there, but the use of subdomains to give a fake sense of security is one scam that a lot of people fall for. In the interest of keeping you, your family, and your friends safe over the next two episodes, I'm gonna explain the fake bank message scam and how it can look so believable. First up, we need to discuss how data travels over the internet. If you explore an internet address, let's take Teachers Talk Radio as our example, https www.ttradio.com. Org. There are basically four parts. HTTPS, this is Hypertext Transfer Protocol, with the S standing for secure. Protocols are used for data transfer. The HTTP protocol allows the transmission of HTML or Hypertext Markup Language from a web server to your computer. In basic terms, it lets a web page be requested and viewed. The confusion here is the secure version. Some believe that seeing a site is HTTPS and has a little padlock in the address bar means that you are protected. To some extent, this is true. However, the security certificate for a site simply encrypts or scrambles the transmission so if it's intercepted it can't be used. So yes you are secure from interception but if the owner of a website is dishonest you're not safe from them. The next three parts are to do with where the web page resides or the address. Like we need a postcode and house number your computer needs to know where to look for the information you want. www is the World Wide Web, a huge network of interconnected networks. TT Radio is the name of the website and .org is the top level domain. Again simplifying this .org domains are kept in a kind of phonebook that can be accessed by your internet service provider. So to find ttradio.org.org tells you to look in the .org phonebook for TTRadio and return where the website is for your browser to download it. Why don't you ask your pupils, family and friends what they believe the padlock and HTTPS means? You may be surprised at the answer you receive. Next time we're going to look at how criminals use this misconception to gain your trust. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers
0: Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back from the news and from our sponsors. Um, How good is that tech guy? Just always such good tips. So uh, we're talking to Charlene and Natalie. They are preschool leaders. And um, we're having a conversation today about EYFS and why the staff are called staff and often leaders and not teachers. And we're just generally talking about how wonderful um, early years is. So um, I wanted to talk to you both, welcome back. Um, I wanted to talk to you both a bit about preschools, uh, forest schools. So there's been a significant rise in forest school provision in preschools and and primary schools, and and I imagine secondary schools as well. It must have been um, in recent years. What is forest school and why is it so important um I mean I don't know if there's one of you who feels quite passionately that you get to talk about this or both of you I mean I do the odd few sessions but Nat's done
2: more than me and she worked alongside our um for school leader so she okay I can chime in in a few bits <laughs> but I'm sure Nat will probably have
3: more I I think I do. Yeah, I do feel quite (laughs) passionately, but I think I came from quite a different place in terms of high school. Um, I'd seen it during my training. come from North Wales, so I'd seen beach school as well, which I would loved. And oh, that sounds also. awesome. Oh, <laughs> amazing. Did so you sunbathe at beach um, school? <laughs> but when I was training, it was very hard to get the, the forest school training because you had to pay for yourself unless you were already within a school. And so I'd seen it and kind of seen it from afar, but not really understood it. And then in our particular preschool, it came about from um, a necessity, really, we had yeah. a morning session where we We are a pack away setting in our local village hall, and um, we knew that we needed to provide more hours for our parents. Our parents were leaving because they needed more hours. We couldn't provide it in the parish hall. We're very lucky to live in a beautiful village with a little area of wooded land right by the preschool. And um, the idea of outside learning in the afternoon was born because we needed somewhere to learn. And what has developed is the most beautiful thing. We have um, a, a forest school and we, we run our preschool runs from eight till three, but the afternoon sessions are all completely, totally and utterly outside in the forest. And now we're developing forest school sessions in the morning. Um, and I came to it really from a kind of, oh, well, it's great for their physical development and they're, you know, they'll be climbing trees and they'll be getting muddy. And yeah, yeah, it's great to have I mean, that's what you want for kids. You no, know, that isn't it? it's all yeah. beautiful, and all yeah. of that is true. But what I have realised is is that it's just such a tiny fraction of what is true about it. What has blown me away watching children who I see inside in, you know, traditional school setting in the morning and then watching them come outside is this massive blossoming in speech and language. Children who are often almost selectively mute inside, um, often children who we have been considering referring for for speech and language um consultations, but we, you know, children who very, very rarely will interact with other children or adults. Um, once they get outside, I had the first time we we ran our first session, I had a little boy who I think I'd heard I had questioned his vocabulary. I questioned everything because I think I'd heard five words out of him, and he came running up to me on the first day of Forest school and said, "Look now, I found a spider in a jar under a log." And I just was oh like, "Gosh, wow, what, 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 what?" what? <laughs> and it blew me away. And and. And so for me as a practitioner, of that that side of things, the actual learning in terms of speech and language, in terms of numeracy, in terms of literacy, with the writing, children who obviously, you know, again, it's a cliche, we don't just write with a pen. And obviously no preschool does that anymore, even if you're just inside with writing with all sorts of yeah. things. But having, there's a difference between writing with a twig in a tough tray and writing with a twig in real life mud on a tree or a paintbrush on a tree. And, that's what's blown me away is um, the incredible opportunities to develop speech and language, to develop literacy, to, you know, reading a book in a hammock, that's what I spent all yesterday afternoon doing, um, is 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 incredible. Um, and so, guess, yes, there are the wonderful, uh, you know, all the benefits for outdoors, you're learning in nature, you've got fresh air, you're climbing trees, yeah. you're learning to be take risks, you're learning m- fabulous gross motor skills, but, you are also seeing children develop their vocabulary and develop their confidence, and children who I understand almost have a yeah, a completely different personality outside than they do inside. Yeah. And the children you think we had a little girl who's always been in the mornings who's he's fairly shy, fairly quiet, fairly doesn't like touching things, doesn't like getting messy, likes routine, doesn't really cope well with things changing. And it was her first forest school session and we were like oh this is gonna go this is gonna be a bit (laughs) tricky we're all like stand by your beds there's gonna be tears and she was on this rope swing and she fell at (laughs) the rope swing and we were like she got up and giggled and ran around and she had mud on her face and it was just incredible so yeah we are massive fans we will speak forever about how brilliant it is not only for the staff for their well-being for yeah. their you know the difference in your pra in, in the way you are you're just observing really in forest school there's very little input you're just there to observe and add and and just stop them every so often from going head first down <laughs> a bad hole you know but other yeah. than that it's it's idyllic and we love it and i will sing its praises for Forever.
2: <laughs> and now we only before we only had we had one um forest school leader and then we had a another forest school leader who came to do her training um with us as well. And now it seems like the staff are loving it that much that they're going on training now to do um for, to be a forest school leader. So soon all the staff probably might be forest school <laughs> trained in the end, well. or at least at least more than 50% of us will be um forest school trained. Um that's how much it's taught us in the past when did we open it september 2020 wasn't it um
1: that sounds yeah that's
2: how much we've
1: um it sounds like it's it. gone down really well in in your, your it, preschool. It, it has
3: but also almost in a way i think what it did to for me as a, as a, a you know from my sort of root in education where I saw myself as a teacher, where I placed myself, and I thought I was quite good at using the outdoors. Often we say, "Oh, you know, we use an outdoor play area." We use, and that sometimes means moving your tough tray and putting it in the garden, or you know, doing exactly what you did indoors outdoors. And 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 I know that things are changing now, and we're realising that not everybody can have a forest school space. I'm I i realize how privileged mm. we are, but what worries me is that maybe a few years ago I would have assessed and 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 seen that child through, through such limited eyes. And, and would have said, you know, his, his speech is here and, and, and I have worries about this and he's a shy, quiet boy. And now I see the whole child because I see him outside and not just playing in a garden, but playing in a tree, in a field, yeah. in a wood, because we don't necessarily stay in one area. We, run, we go on walks, we go in an allotment, we go. We go in very. For us, forest school isn't just in the forest. It's anywhere we can find an adventure. So yeah. we're lucky that we have allotments that we just go and dig and find worms, and we go to the local woods and we we run around and we pick flowers. And it 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 shows you the whole child. And, and I and I feel worried <laughs> for what we were missing before and what yeah. you know what other settings might miss
1: yeah it's an interesting point about the whole child because um i feel like sometimes in education we get so hung up on what we can um observe a child doing or, you know, secondary English, I'm looking at writing on a piece of paper, and so much more of a child's skills and strengths and abilities are part of that whole child thing. And, and across all subjects, even further along the line, like for English, that, com, you know, conversation, oracy, um, analytical and critical thinking, all of these things are really important skills that children yeah. need to develop for their academic studies but also for life exactly, and yeah. it, like you say now in the past we might have just been focusing on what they could do with a paintbrush and a tough tray in, <laughs> in, a, in a in a village hall whereas yes. now you, you know with this for, with forest schools and the extension of outside spaces and outside learning maybe we can start to think about how w- what we can see which is really exciting
3: and and, and the the door and and especially if if, you know if you're talking about going back to you know putting the emphasis on if you're going to unlock doors you're going to unlock the doors from 0 to 5 you know these doors have to be unlocked now I mean just from a personal point of view like my little girl came to my preschool and I she was one of the first children to have the forest school sessions and I would have you know we would we live near a woods we walk near a woods she never climbed a tree she didn't like it she was quite naturally risk averse she's quite naturally she's not a, an adventurer she's she's quite bold but she she'll be like nah it's not for me thank you and 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 after a term of forest school we went we went for a walk in the woods and she was up this tree and climbing and running and just this door had been unlocked in her that we'd obviously said you know climb a tree but she's like no thanks don't want to do it I'm not bad you know she wanted she she saw her peers doing it she learned how to do it she learned how to do it safely on her time she she learned in her way yeah. and 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 now that's her favorite thing in the world to do so i just feel like you know if, if there are areas where we can push the funding if we can push the development in early years it, it should be in those areas we know that not everybody we are incredibly privileged but what we can do is offer it to other schools. You know, we have tried to do that actually in our school, you know, say, go around to other schools and say, here we are, we've got this incredible spot. We'll share it with you. Do you want to come and have a session? And often yeah. it's like, oh, well, we can't do it in the afternoon. We can't do it in the mornings because, you know, this and that, and there's always we're doing, not here, you know, we, do, we, do, we do, you know, yeah. we do numeracy in the mornings. We do fun things in the afternoons and, you know, there's no, and I understand, you know, I understand other preschools can't be as flexible, you know. But but we are here saying this is our space, and we will we want to share it. We want you to see you it. Want so to I think see it. it. It's the yeah. it's the every every preschool who has gotten outside or a forest school or a primary school who have got forest school. I feel like we need to almost work on some kind of network where we can all share and give all children an opportunity to have that to unlock those doors. Not like as as you said, not to five. We need to unlock them now yeah. because otherwise we might you miss that chance don't you 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 get past
1: past five and it's interesting what you were saying about your daughter and climbing trees and and i hadn't really um although it might seem obvious but i hadn't really put two and two together about how children develop their own risk assessment skills um so my husband is a bit safety obsessed (laughs) he's a he's a he's got he's a teacher with design technology um, background so I suppose he has to be really focused on you know safety around I'm all those in the classroom <laughs> yeah. you know my DT teacher at school cut his finger off in a lesson so um God. you know my, my <laughs> husband unfortunately is a little bit more safety focused but my children they have this running joke with him he says safety first and they repeat back to him fun second <laughs> <laughs> and um one of my girls came home from forest school with a piece of wood that she had sawn off herself and she was so proud of it and he was had slightly <laughs> panicked but i assured him that you know they go to a really good preschool it's all done properly um but it how important it is isn't it for kids to learn to climb trees and it, particularly with girls we're always saying be careful be careful be careful and if you're constantly yeah. saying be careful and you're not giving them the opportunity to do those things that we might these days consider slightly dangerous yeah they're not ever going to learn to be able yeah. to risk assess a situation I know I went to a um I went to a course and it was called
2: excelling outdoors and at the end it was literally there was like a whole like 20 minute section of we need to let children do their own risk assessments we can't say we're not putting out those steps because somebody's going to fall down a child in climate if they realize it's too high they might ask you for help or they might i think do as well, well that
3: like you say you know like i says they find their own risk assessment but they do it yeah. in their own time as well we might we might go oh look that's an amazing tree climate climate you know but actually seeing them in, in forest school that whole process of being brave enough to a tree can take a year can take week can take you know obviously some of them are you know some of them it's just a tiny it's literally an inch at a time and that same goes with mud you know we have beautiful mud kitchen with all the saucepans and the and the goo and everything and some children are right and and actually you can see it in different cohorts as well last last year we had all the girls were in there, muds up to their elbows you know and and this year there there's a lot. It's, it's taken us. It's been a slower process to get to that point. Some of them. Yeah. You
1: know, Do like, you think like, that's okay. um post COVID with all
3: of this oh, all yes. hand
1: washing
3: and Post-its, yeah, you know, yeah. And they and can't get it, in, they, so they don't want to get their hands dirty. It, to it took yeah. me ages to think about that because I was like last year all the photos. I was looking at all the photos and we had everybody's muddy a group of girls <laughs> who were just there all the time. I thought, what have we changed about our mud kitchen? You know, why is nobody accessing it? It used to be a queue and a and a fight to get to the sauce pans and 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 this time still now, the boys will still play in the mud with the cars, but the girls are are nowhere near the mud kitchen, and the boys don't go in the mud kitchen either. And and I was like, we need to change our resources between new new pans. And suddenly we were chatting about it, and penny dropped. We're like, we have just spent two years telling them to wash their hands and keep clean and and it's taking longer for us to and and we're not there going come on come on come on you know they will get there in their own time and they yeah. are but it's a very different cohort it's a very different way of playing they're much more swinging in trees climbing trees they're not in the mud yeah. uh, and it just it actually was only a couple of weeks ago that we suddenly went oh of course well why did we think of that you know i think yeah. until they
1: can understand like different types of germs yeah Uh, you know that like so my eldest has been asking questions recently about how do germs get into your body do they get in through your ears or your nose (laughs) and and if she wears sunglasses will she not get germs in her eyes and she now says to me are they good germs or bad germs because I'm sometimes you know she drops a watsit on the floor I think well (laughs) just pick it up and and eat it (laughs) you can probably do with some antibodies you know (laughs) after everything being like disinfected for the last two years yeah Uh, um yeah I can understand why the younger ones might um they're always been told aren't they wash your hands you know every mm. time you go into somewhere out from somewhere come home you know go into shops don't touch anything
3: don't touch anything yeah, yeah. But, that, but that in their way will be their own kind of risk assessment they will risk assess if they want to go and get their hands muddy and and eventually it will come and 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 we have the same with them. We talk a lot about boundaries in, in early years, you know, boundaries of children loving boundaries and and needing to know where the boundary is. In, in, in forest school, it's a very, very definite thing. A boundary is a red rope. Yeah. Um, and I, when we first started trialing the forest school, my fear was that we were going to have 20 kids running in the weather, <laughs> I'm going to lose them. When when do I do my head count? You know, when do I do my head count? And I was very against it. And I was, oh my goodness, they're going to... And first of it was like, no, we will teach them. We'll teach them where the boundary, teach them where the rules are, once they know where the rules are. And you know what? We don't even have a boundary up now because after we do it the first term and then we take it down gradually and gradually and we call it the invisible boundary. And not once, not once, not has any child wow. crossed, crossed over or tried to... To go somewhere different. And I, I yep. never worry now. I, I, I enjoy every session, and I, you know, obviously we do our usual head camps, but at the beginning, I was like, <gasps> how many <how> are <laughs> Just know they know their boundaries, they love a boundary. That it's what we, you know, it's my cliche thing. always in every area of a child's life, they like to know where the line is. Yeah, they do. The forest school line is very clear. So, we have our forest school rules that they are, you know, we reinforce every single day. We have don't go over the boundary, don't go under the boundary, don't go through the boundary. But they know it and they love it and they love the routine of it. And nobody ever pushes the boundary. Yeah, (laughs) And, and I find that incredible you yep. know you know children that we've had with you know um uh, sen children children we've had with problems who do push boundaries literally
1: at forest school
3: never do it's incredible
1: maybe that's something that you know primary and secondary schools might be able hopefully. to learn from
3: massively well, hopefully <laughs> um, yeah. but i mean it's the more been a really freedom big... you have the more the less you want to try for freedom yeah Yeah. well
1: actually that's something that i um when i did my teacher training it was school-based teacher training and one of the things i trialed that i found worked really well in my classroom and it was a it was a really difficult inner city secondary school it was huge Uh, i think there were more people that spoke other languages than english there was lots of poverty in the area there were so many contributing factors to or, or risk factors for, for poor behaviour. And um, once I'd established res- mutual respect with my students, I used to always, um, they didn't need to ask to go. Um, I had a had a weird classroom that had like a sink in the background, a little bit like art rooms and drama, drama rooms. And um, I'm quite happy they could go and put things in the bin, go and get things from their bag, go and fill up their water bottle without asking to leave their table and um people that would come in and observe my lessons sometimes would be like have you got they... any control over your students they're leaving their table without putting their hand up and i'm like but they're going over to the sink and they're filling up their water bottle and they're behaving and they're coming back and sitting down i don't think I, they need to interrupt me helping another child or me teaching for them to be able to do that and sometimes when like you say when you give them enough freedom mm-hmm. like kids can Learn to work within a framework, I think, within the freedom of a framework. Totally. Um, Yeah, definitely. And maybe more of that is needed. Our two year olds
3: can do it, so I think. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. If they can do it you know yeah. older kids can so um it, talking about primary schools and moving up it's been a really big uh, couple of weeks for parents like me whose children have got their first school place so it must be quite oh an god. exciting time for you guys too if you you know I suppose you must get
2: quite a time I mean it's exciting if, and emotional at the same time place. this
1: is when we get a bit like uh,
2: <laughs> especially <laughs> once after half term comes in we will literally that's when we're like oh my god we've only got a few more weeks with these children um I suppose you've had some of them for a really long time as well. Yeah, some of them we've had for like yeah. three years because if they've come in at two, but they just missed that year yeah. to both, like last year, and then they so they've been there for a long time. So it's been they're like our babies basically, and yeah, we're just like, no, oh, how did you grow up so quick? <laughs> Why are you leaving us already? And even just the ones because we had such a huge intake this September. Um, the ones that we've just known for just this ac- academic year, we just feel like we've known them for so long and that they've been here for so long that we're just like, we don't want anybody to leave, to be honest. <laughs> um, and is it, so. it's a
3: hard thing because we're, we're always, uh, when you're teaching, I was just saying, you're always thinking forward. You're always that few weeks ahead, aren't you? Like, what's the yeah. next goal? What's the next goal? But what we have to do, especially at this time, like you say, with all the children chatting about, you know, what we have to do is almost, we don't talk about transition really until after half term because, mm it's a sh- It's like talking about Christmas you never talk about Christmas to you before December <laughs> because it, it's such a huge thing and, and also we're really aware that for some children it's it is a bit like it's just it's an idea it's a thought you know for our for our little ones who are going off they, they're they talking about going to big school but it can be terrifying as well as exciting so I think we try and keep we we try really hard to keep a lid on things until we're ready to kind of go this is how we're going to do it and then we try and hold their hand because you know that's our job really, to hold our hand all the way through it and, and to, to to manage that transition but you know that doesn't come easily that comes through like weeks and weeks of planning on yeah. do, you, do you think there's much uh do you think there's much community or, or i mean i
1: don't know having not worked in primary schools but is there much communication between nurseries and preschools and other childcare provisions and primary schools. I mean,
2: there should be, but we definitely are hot on it because we're like, we need to make sure that we're making those good links with the um, the schools, because not everybody goes to, the, we've got one main school in our village where a lot of them go up to, but then there's obviously those odd few children who go to other schools as well. So we just always want to make sure that we're contacting them, um, just saying, by the way, because some of them, I think last year, we contacted some schools and they were like,
5: um, not
2: sure we got them on our books." And we're like, yeah, they're definitely coming to you. <laughs> oh wow! Um, and then obviously it's like, they're like, oh, thanks for like, like letting us know, we'll check our records and then get back to you type of thing. But we always want to make sure either we go to the school, like the key person goes to the school um, that the child's going to, to speak to the teacher, if they can, obviously with COVID we haven't been able to, or we last year we actually um, invited those to prime um, the reception teachers to come and see a forest school session or come into the morning
1: oh lovely um
2: yeah so they did visits at us and came to watch the children ask the key person a few questions that sort of thing so we always want to try and make good links we have a very good link with our local school because our whole a huge intake mm. always goes up there and we always want to keep up um even though people still think we're linked with each other but we're not actually not but we do have really good links with the schools we always want to make sure that um the teacher knows what to expect if there's if, if there is anything to expect from the child we want them to know that um the child is obviously been nurtured and cared for and this is how they are in our setting mm. please i, them I here. suppose
1: it's partly must be your like your professional pride like you want to show that you've, you've, you've done a good job like and yeah yeah and show what
2: you want want show us, we want to show us off <laughs> <Is that it? laughs> But this it, is how it, we built up this child this is how we've molded them into okay. and obviously every child's going to be their own child yeah but this is what we've done to help them um yeah uh, we have to, the
3: <laughs> we've put all this work we've worked so hard and i think i think we do know the child inside and out if we're decent yeah. we know every area we know what triggers them we know what they're anxious about we know and i Saw it from the other side. I think when I did some foundation, when I was a foundation teacher, I kind of was, would read, do a cursory, you know, okay, look for any sen, you know, SEN stuff. But I'd be like, well, I want to make my own judgments about this child. They're going to come in, and I feel that I was doing a huge disservice. Now I look back and I think, what was I doing? Half of the work was already done for me, and and now on the other side of things, I think we have sometimes, like Shani said, we've had these children for three years. We, we know them and we tend to be the ones in I think we do have good links and we do make sure every teacher wherever you know I think we spoke to six or seven schools last year you know here hi we're us this your child's coming to you would you like to meet us would you like to speak to us would you like to come meet the child in the setting what what can we do you know and there were some schools that had a quick chat on the phone and went all oh, right okay that's interesting and then there were other schools who you know say oh great we'll come down and meet them and and I feel like you're you know what schools are doing sometimes not not the schools we work with but yeah. I'm looking at me how I used to be is not valuing that preschool education yeah, this, not realizing yeah. we've done half the work for you we can tell you if this child can write we can tell you and if and if we say this child can write her own name and she doesn't do it in September, something's happened
1: yeah. she's nervous yeah. or
3: yeah. she's not happy. So don't come and say, oh, preschool said that she could write her own name. She bloody can't. Trust us. She can. You're yes. just, she's just not comfortable with you. Yeah. Or this child is displaying, you know, I don't know, asd adhd something you know and then saying oh well he's, you know he's just settling in no he's not he's not going to settle because we know we tried for three years and we yeah so i think <laughs> so it, it comes me. back to the, what we were saying right
1: at the start yeah. of this conversation yeah. about the the professional esteem
2: yeah.
1: and, and respect that is directed to early years yeah or yeah. yeah. well, there the isn't and the snobbery and it
3: should be well, it, it, I mean, we are really lucky and, and and the schools we work with have done that. And obviously, I do understand as a teacher, you, you can't just go on our work. But, but I feel that maybe those in other schools and other settings and definitely how I used to be, I think there should be, you know, more in terms of when there are, you know, professional development opportunities, maybe the early years team at local schools should have one of their their target should be to go and spend a bit of time at the local preschools Mm. or go and go and chat or and and vice versa invite the preschools into some of their training because often preschools can't afford the training that primary schools can but Mm. if we could be invited into some of their training that probably would cost no you know make sure there was a real continue continuity of of learning you know tell us what you want because we're always saying what do you want what do you need from us to make a school a a child school ready and obviously you know both ways it's all right very well doing that you know in the summer term before they come really that should start you know that those links should start when they first join preschool
1: and i i really really couldn't agree more nat um nat Charlene, it's been absolutely fabulous to talk to you about the early years and some really thought provoking ideas there about how we, um, the, the professional esteem and respect that we direct towards early years and the YFS and how we attract the right people and forest school and transition. There's just so much there to get our teeth into. I think I probably need to come back and do another show on this topic. Uh, But that's all we've got time for today. We have run over, no great surprise there. I do like a chat. Um, Next week on Thursday at 11am in the morning break, I will be talking to teachers from UK-based Ukrainian schools about what the Ukrainian school system is like and how we can best support refugee children as they enter into their schools and settle into their new lives. So that's it from me today. I'm Holly Kingman. You've been listening to me on Teachers Talk Radio on the morning break and I will see you again next week. You've
0: been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.